0: Say the trouble it makes It hurts you and it hurts me too This is such a falling we'll group we live in It's really not the way it's supposed to be What if we could see each other different It'd probably change everything
1: Go ahead and stand up. We want to give God all the glory, praise, and honor. We want to make sure that we're all on the same page, Greg, okay? Let's worship God, all right? Father, let your kingdom
2: come.
3: Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause this morning. He deserves our worship today. Hey, good morning. Oh, we can do better than that. Good morning. There we go. Hey, my name is John. We're just thrilled to see you today as we come together to worship. If you're a guest, we extend a very special welcome to you. We're glad you took time to come and join us on this day of worship. If you are a guest, we'd love for you to grab one of those little red Connect cards that may be on the back of the chair there in front of you. If you wouldn't mind uh, just Filling that out for us, give us your name, give us your address, maybe a cell phone number or email address. You can drop those in the offering boxes a little later in, this, in the service. You can hand those off to one of our uh, First Impression team members out in the lobby at the Welcome Center on your way out. We just want to be able to connect with you, share some information with you about Capital City and the ministries that are taking place here under God's direction. Well, a few things that I want to make you aware of. Hopefully, uh, maybe when you came in this morning, you saw a card uh, there. Maybe you're sitting on it, maybe in a chair beside you. encourage you to grab one of those. Take a look. Uh, this is just going to give you an idea of what's coming up at Capital City uh, this month as we head towards Christmas. Uh, we're excited about that. Hard to believe that we're three weeks away from Christmas already. Uh, if, you need, uh, if you need Doc or Ben or I's Christmas list, just shoot us an email. We'll be glad to get that out to you this week as well. Uh, to help us out with our Christmas presents. But we got a we got a great lineup of stuff coming starting uh, December 20th with our Jingle Jam event that's going to take place on Wednesday evening. We'll have the meal at 5.30 and then Jingle Jam here in the worship center at 6.30. And then December 21st through the 23rd, we're going to be having what we call Journey to Bethlehem. And so we're going to have stations uh, set up throughout the, uh, the main floor uh, where you'll be able to sort of move. Uh, throughout uh, the the, the building that afternoon and that Saturday morning uh, as we walk from the time where the angels came and made the announcement to the birth of Jesus. It's very similar to what we did back at Easter, if you remember that and you came and participated. Uh, This is called Journey to Bethlehem. Don't get it confused with the movie. We're not going to be showing the movie here that weekend, Okay. And then, of course, on uh, Sunday, December 24th, we'll be having our Christmas worship services at 9:30 and 11, and then Sunday evening around 6 o'clock, we'll have a candlelight communion where if you and your family just want to come in and have a, have a time of quiet to be able to share in communion, uh, music playing, uh, we'd love for you to come be a part. So take one of these, maybe even grab an extra, share it with somebody, invite them to come be a part of what, uh, what we're going to be doing here at Christmas. Also, uh, today, following both of our worship services, we have what we call Getting Started 101, so if you are new to Capital City, I want you to. Find out about uh, this guy named Jesus and what it means to follow him. Uh, One of our staff will be in the connections room, just out in the lobby to your left. Be glad to chat with you out there uh, this morning. uh, Following one of the services about that. Also, December. You know, I know we've asked a lot of our church family over the last uh, over the last three months. In October, we asked you to help us out with uh, Halloween and Trunk or Treat candy. November, we asked you to participate in our Feed the Need by bringing food that we donated to the food pantry. Well, December is our giving wall month, and if you've been around here for any length of time, you're familiar with it. Out in the lobby this morning, again, over on the green wall as you go out to the left, are our Christmas ornaments, and on those ornaments are an item. That will bless one of three organizations that we're we're trying to bless this Christmas season. So we're we're trying to support the Access Soup Kitchen and Shelter, uh, the Sunshine Center, and then the School Resource Officer at um, Elkhorn Elementary and Peaks Mill Elementary. And so there are different ornaments out there, different things that you can purchase. Uh, so grab two, three, or four of those. Purchase those items. You bring them back next week. We'll have tubs out in the lobby as well, uh, dedicated to each of those organizations, where you can just drop those. Uh, those items back into one of those tubs. And if you'll bring the ornament back, that'd be great. We can reuse those as we restock the wall each and every Sunday throughout the Christmas season, okay? Excited for that, and I hope you are as well. So how many of you have started getting a bunch of these on your front porch? <laughs> Anybody? Huh? Yeah, you're, you're starting to see those as well. You know, at, uh, at 735 Winter Haven Lane, we're pretty much on a first-name basis. <laughs> With the, uh, the UPS driver, the FedEx guy, the DHS guy, the, uh, the uh, Amazon Prime guy, the U.S. Postal service person, I mean, we know them all by heart. And uh, as, as, if you have been with us throughout this year, you've heard us talk about, we, we want to do nudges each month, okay? We want to nudge somebody towards Jesus. And we thought, Here, here's a unique way for us to do that. But to check this video out and then we'll follow up on it.) Oh. No, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you made my day.
0: Oh, you're welcome, <laughs> thank- man. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, uh, Maybe
3: Now, what's really interesting is on uh, every day the packages get delivered here in our office, that's what Doc does. Hey. He is really disappointed when the UPS or the FedEx or whoever comes in and it doesn't have Stephen Patterson's name on it. But, hey, we just thought, what, an, what a great opportunity, because I'm telling you right now, a lot of you are going to be getting these. Matter of fact, I'm guessing that between now and December 24th, well over 1,000 packages like this are going to show up at your front porch. Matter of fact, Steve and I were talking this morning. We're figuring just between our two households, it's about 450 apiece. So all you got to do is cover 100, okay? Uh, apparently, Ann and my wife are, are well acquainted with Amazon, Amazon Prime, FedEx, all that good kind of stuff. So I don't know if that's accurate or not, Ann, or if maybe he's the one doing all the... Purchasing of stuff, but but what what a great opportunity just to just to set a table out there at your door, Uh, maybe put a, a basket with snacks, maybe put a cooler with some drinks in it that the delivery driver, these guys who are who are out. I don't know about yours, man, but you know, I, I walk my dogs at 9 o'clock at night. I pull packages off the front porch. I walk them at 7 a.m. in the morning, and another package is there. I'm like, dude, when do these guys ever sleep? But what a great opportunity just to share Jesus in this very unique way during this month. So I encourage you, uh, find, a, find a time to go out, to purchase a few things, set them on your front porch, maybe, maybe write a note, maybe put a passage of Scripture there. It might be something that touches one of these guys or gals that's out delivering packages for us. Again, we're just thrilled that you're with us today. We've got a great day of worship planned. Ben's got a great message for us. going to be talking about serve. And I thought, man, what a great time of the year to be talking about serve. Because that's what Jesus did for us, didn't he? You know, he said, I did not come to be served but to serve. And he did that by giving his life for us. And his is a beautiful name that we get to worship. So let's stand together. Let's worship him this morning.
1: those prayers. in Scripture. I know that these are true. There are times when I still struggle. And so I say, help my unbelief. I mean, cling tightly to the, the examples that you give in Scripture. And above all, Jesus Christ and what He has done. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to love people the right way. I'm calling on the Almighty oh, river, come and, feel again. come and feel me again. Come and feel
0: me again.
1: Come and feel me again. We want to be filled with your Holy Spirit one thing and when we're surrounded by this family to be in these this state is connected to you and connected to one another. Just like this bonfire that gets together with all of the, all of the branches and all the fuel, everything together. It's just it's huge and it's strong. As soon as, as soon as something is taken away, it gets so difficult to, to sustain that heat, sustain that light. As soon as we leave this this place, it becomes something different. So I ask God that you will fill us with your spirit so that when we're out in the world and we're apart from this family, we're just as strong, just as vibrant, just as bright. And when we start to wane just a little bit, we could be able to come back into this place and be rekindled, relit. I know that there are people that are struggling in this room. They're struggling in their families. They're struggling with their marriages. And as we learn to, to love properly, as we learn to to sacrifice properly and serve one another, Father, it teaches us something that we don't do naturally. It teaches us to do something that, on our own, we can't do. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, He changed everything. He showed us what it looks like to sacrifice. So, God, I ask that You will be with every person in here as they they pray to You for the strength that they need, the guidance that they need. To be the people that you want them to be in this life so that we can reach the world for you there's never a day off every day dedicated to you because we want to serve you we pray each of these things in Jesus holy name amen as you go to the tables here in a few moments you're going to be able to take some bread and some juice this is a way to memorialize the, the death of Jesus Christ on a cross right before he he died he instituted what we're about to take part in and so if you want to know more about that we'd love to talk to you about it but this is for the people that that do understand what communion is all about and they want to have that connection as a family so we'll be going around the tables in just a few moments and this place is your home and you want to give something back that's what the offering boxes that are each of the stations the, the brown ones that are there and if there's something extra that you'd like to give we also provide a generous bucket at each of the stations so if you've decided to bring an offering and you want to put that into the boxes, but something else is, hits you that you want to shift, add, or whatever, those buckets are also available to you. So let's go to the tables right now and remember what Jesus Christ has done for each of us.
4: I've received a few comments about my sweater today. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever wore this sweater in December, and it still mattered for the Longhorns. <laughs> That's pretty special. And I'm going to mention this. i will probably bite me someday, but Texas won the Big 12 and the SEC this year. That's pretty cool. <laughs> all right, all right, there we go. That's about the response I expected. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's a good run. It's over already. Like it's, it's not going to happen next year. It's right. (laughs) Do I? Oh, me. Oh, (laughs) an elder just decided I got fired right here. You saw it. That's all right. I get it. All right. This morning we're going to start with the blind scripture reading. Okay, what that means is I'm going to put a verse up here in just a moment. You're going to see it. I'm not going to tell you where it's from, which book of the Bible. I'm not going to tell you which chapter, anything like that. I want you to look at these verses, and I want you to think through where you think this might be. Okay, what story from the Bible, what part of the narrative do you think these words are coming from? And then it's kind of left open-ended. I want you to think through what happens next. Okay, in your mind, I want you to try to see if you can come up with what happens next. All right. Here's the verse, says Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God, so. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God, so. That word Jesus there, that name there kind of helps you know that this is probably from one of the four gospels, okay? Okay. I want you to think through where this verse may exist. Where do you think it fits? It kind of trails off there. How, how would you finish this statement? How do you think Jesus finished this statement? And even this, what would it look like if your name was there instead of Jesus's? I think that's kind of a fun exercise here. If your name were in that list instead of Jesus, how would those, those statements be finished? Stuff like this. Ben knew, ben knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So Ben started a movement that held all politicians accountable to the laws that they created. Yeah. yeah? That match you? That's something you might be interested in? Okay, maybe play out? What if it was the second part of that phrase? It says Ben knew that he had come from God, so Ben looked into the future to be able to invest better. That'd be valuable, all right? How could I use this to my benefit? Ben knew that he was returning to God, so Ben blessed those who had come after him and made Oklahoma disappear. Those are the kinds of things I would offer if I were the Son of God, right? Maybe you wouldn't have Oklahoma. Maybe it'd be Tennessee. Maybe it'd be Texas. I don't know. If your name were in there, what would you do? How would it be different? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So... Jesus defeated the devil in an immediate and flashy confrontation. That would make sense, right? But That's not in the Bible. So Jesus overthrew the religious leaders in the temple and established a time of true worship to his father. That sounds like something he would do. But that's not there. Before I reveal to you where this verse comes from, I want you to remember something from your past, most likely all of this or all of us in this room, this will apply to. This is the last sermon of a marriage series, which means that we're going to talk about marriage at some point this morning. And if you are married, I want you to think back to that time in your life when when you were getting married, okay? You had the wedding showers, maybe it was the day of your wedding, and people brought you gifts, okay? Do you remember sitting down with your spouse or soon-to-be spouse and opening all the things that you received for your wedding, right? And... Do you remember what those things were? Can you remember any of the gifts that you received when you were getting married? I've been married almost 20 years now. I don't remember many of my gifts, all right? Uh, it's, it's been a while. I don't know that we even kept most of them. Most of the time, you just return them and get cash, right? Like, that's kind of what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I don't remember most of them. There's a few I remember. Uh, my wife ha- has a couple, uh, her parents, they... We're doing ministry at a small church up in uh, northeast Missouri when I married her and the church loved her parents so much that they wanted to throw us a shower which was very very kind but also kind of weird because it meant that I was sitting in a room with a bunch of women and my soon-to-be wife and they were giving me gifts and I didn't know who they were and it was just kind of strange and awkward very generous very nice just awkward okay And as we went through the gifts, we got maybe like 10, 15 things, I don't know. It wasn't a whole lot, there wasn't a huge crowd, okay? But it was very, again, very kind. I don't wanna sound like I don't, I'm not grateful, okay? It was nice. I don't remember what they got me, okay? I do remember something, okay? I remember that that day, we opened three different crock pots, (laughs) okay? That stuck with me. And, And I remember like thinking, these little gray haired ladies up in Northeast Missouri don't know how to cook. They just have to give out crock pots, that's all they got. And maybe that's not it. Maybe it was they were assuming me and my wife didn't know how to cook, and so they were trying to help us out with the crockpot, right? I don't remember a lot of the gifts. I remember the crockpots. I also remember one red dish towel, a singular one red dish towel. I got that from my youth minister who actually did the wedding ceremony for my wife and I. He married us. And as we stood on stage, we're all looking great. Christina's obviously looking fantastic. No one hardly even knew that I was there, but I was wearing a tux, okay? And the guys looked good. The the girls looked fantastic. Everything was nice. And my youth minister is standing there with with a nice suit on. He looks good as well, but he has this red dish towel over his shoulder all morning long. It was very kind of strange, very weird, a little bit awkward. But by the end of the ceremony, as my wife and I are walking down the middle aisle together, now married, that towel was on my shoulder. One red dish towel. He challenged us to serve one another in our marriage. He challenged us to have a marriage that was serious about serving one another. And he taught us that day from John 13. It's a story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It's an incredible story, powerful story, an incredible act of service. And it's where this verse comes from that we started with this morning probably not what you expected. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. So, so he took off his clothes. He gets up from the meal. He takes off his outer clothing and he wraps a towel around his waist. His soul is very different than what my soul would have been. Very different. Jesus is physically presenting himself to his disciples as a slave. That's what he's doing here. He's making these movements that we don't really get, but he wanted the disciples to look at him and not just recognize what he was getting ready to do, but to see him differently. And this act of foot washing that he's getting ready to do, he didn't have to disrobe for this. He didn't have to strip down and wrap himself in a towel. He could have washed their feet, and that would have been a powerful enough message, but he wanted them to see him as a servant. He wanted them to see him differently. And so he takes on, he takes on the posture, and he takes on the dress of a servant. This wasn't a lesson This wasn't a lesson about nice things that we can do for one another. This was a visual communication of a different kind of leadership that Jesus models for us. And to me, it sounds a lot like Philippians chapter two. It's that chapter, it's a powerful, powerful chapter that's telling us more about who Jesus is. And there's this phrase in it that's just really powerful. It says that the one who is in very nature God, we're talking about Jesus, the one who is in very nature God, made himself nothing and took the very nature of a servant, the very nature of a servant. We see it in John 13. This is what I think Philippians 2 is referencing back to at least one of the moments in his life. And then verse 5, John chapter 13, verse 5, says that after he's disrobed, he's got this towel around his waist, he poured water into a a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That was the last night of Jesus' life. Within 24 hours, Jesus will be dead. This was his last meal. And as the meal is being served, no one else had done this basic, necessary job for the men who are around the table. And I know it's a little bit strange for us. We have a hard time connecting with this idea of washing feet. It's not something that we typically do. You don't ask your kids if they washed their feet before supper, right? Right. But there would have been an uneasiness at the table. The feet hadn't been washed, and they're reclining around the table, which is kind of like this laying posture type of a thing. The feet on the bodies of the men would have been much closer to the faces of men than anything that we would be comfortable with. And everyone in the room knew that this was an issue that hadn't been dealt with. And it's likely that the disciples had been silent because they didn't want to accidentally get volunteered. You don't want to bring this up to Jesus asking why no one's washed feet because that sounds like The perfect opportunity for you to start washing feet, doesn't it? Nobody wanted to do that. They didn't want to be pointed out as becoming the lowest of the disciples. I think every single man at that table would have thought that they were above this task. It was reserved for a house slave. A house slave but not just any slave, like the lowest of all. If you were a Jewish family who actually had servants or had slaves, you wouldn't even ask a Jewish servant or slave to do this job. This was something for someone else. This was for a pagan or a Gentile. And if you didn't have that kind of a servant in your home, if you didn't have that kind of a slave, then it was reserved for women or children. It was their job. And we're looking at a table of 13 men. Every single one of them is overqualified for this job. And despite that, despite that, I think that every single one of the disciples would have been okay with the idea of washing Jesus' feet because he deserved it. He was above them. He was their rabbi. But none of them volunteer. None of them have any interest in doing this job because it would have probably led to them having to wash everybody else's feet and that would have been unacceptable. Peers don't wash each other's feet. Disciples, are refusing to wash the feet of one another. And I'll be honest with you, I actually get this. This will make sense to me. I don't want to wash feet. Not interested. Sometimes churches will do these foot washing ceremonies. I'm not going to do that today. Couldn't be less interested. I'm not even going to tell you to do it. hate this in fact in fact i'm more comfortable with what happens next just a few hours later after they're in this room where they're where they're sharing this meal and feet are getting washed just a few hours later jesus gets arrested in the garden and do you remember what peter does peter takes a sword and he actually goes into combat mode he i think he misses but he catches the ear of one of the soldiers trying to arrest jesus peter was more willing to die defending jesus than he was to wash the feet of the men that he'd lived with for three years and I don't even mean that disrespectfully. I get that. I feel that. I'd rather be the brave and courageous one than the one who's washing feet. I want you to understand the complexity of this moment. It's hard for us to find any sort of modern-day equivalent. It, it, there isn't the same thing that we can compare this to. I mean, you might want to compare it to, like, changing a diaper but there's 12, of, like, 12 sets of diapers in the room that you'd have to change that are attached to the feet of men. It's weird. It doesn't really work, okay? There's like a level of disgust here. There's an offensiveness to this job. Washing feet was so important in this culture because they walked around barefoot or in sandals. They had these feet that would get covered in dirt and mud caking to their sweaty feet, and then you're trying to eat, and that foot's way too close to your face. It's disgusting, The roads they walked were also walked by donkeys pulling carts or goats and sheep and who knows what else. There's probably dung on these feet. And if the act of Jesus washing these feet isn't offensive enough, if it's not offensive enough to imagine him on his knees, disrobed, washing the feet of these men who were below him, Verse 2 in John chapter 13, which we started in verse 3 with this mystery verse. Verse 2, just before you get into this passage, verse 2 tells us that Judas was there. And he tells us that the devil had already got a hold of Jesus to betray Jesus. Judas is at the table. He's eating Jesus' last meal with him. The one who would betray, the one who would create all of this conflict for Jesus is sitting there at the table eating this last meal with clean feet, Jesus gets up, he disrobes, he washes the feet of the man who is hours away from betraying him. Do you think that as Jesus is washing his feet, do you think that do you think that maybe like he pulled some toes? you think he like pinched or like tried to pop that knuckle just to see if he could get him in pain? you think there's any likelihood that Jesus as he's washing Jesus' feet, like tried to like tweak his ankle or something just, just to let Judas know that he knew what was going on? Probably not. But don't get hung up on Judas. None of the other disciples deserve to have their feet washed either. Every single one of them is going to abandon him over the next few hours. And John tells us that Jesus knew that he had the power. He knew he was from God. He knew he was returning to God. So he washed feet. He served them anyways. It doesn't make sense to me. That word so makes no sense to me. I get hung up on it. It should say but. It should say that Jesus knew all this stuff was going in his favor. He knew who he was. He knew what he's about. He knew he had the power. He knew where he was going, but he still chose to serve. But it doesn't say that. It says so. There's something about a motivation here, right? Somehow, Jesus, knowing who he was, motivated him to wash feet. What's the emphasis of this verse 3? Is it that first part? Is it that part where it says that Jesus knows that the Father had put all things under his power? Is that what motivates him? I think there's something true about a position of power, giving power to serve. If you're serving because you're a servant, that's not all that impressive. But if you're a CEO who chooses to serve, that's kind of a big deal. Is that what this is? That serving isn't impressive unless you have something to lose or something to give up? Maybe it's that second part, the part where it says that he had come from God. Maybe Jesus understood that piece, and that's what motivated him. It kind of takes us back to that Philippians 2 passage I mentioned earlier, and if if you're not familiar with it, go and read it Sometimes this week. It's maybe my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. It tells us that Jesus, as God, and because he is God, became nothing that he took the very nature of a servant when he became a man that was when he started serving because that's who god is that's what god does jesus doesn't become a servant late in life on the last night of his life as he chooses to wash feet he became a servant when he showed up in the manger when he lessened himself his arrival into the world was an act of humility it was an act of making himself less than what he was, and every act of his life that followed was an act of humility. Is that what motivates him? That second part? Or maybe it's that third part. It says that he was returning to God. Jesus knew that he was returning to God. Is it that Jesus was motivated because he knew he was getting ready to stand before his father? Is Jesus taking advantage of his last moments to leave a lasting impression of the nature of his ministry? And I wonder if I would be more willing to serve if I knew that I was on the verge of returning to God. Probably so. I hope hope that you can see how incredible this moment in history is that when Jesus washes the feet of his disciples, it was a life-changing event. It absolutely rocked their world. And so he washes their feet. And there's some interesting dialogue that happens back and forth. If you, you know, I'd encourage you to go back and read the full John chapter 13 and see the full story. We don't have time today. But in verse 14 and 15, at the end of the whole story, Jesus says this to them. He says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. The leader, the teacher, the Lord, the Savior, our God left the table to do the lowest job possible. The job that everyone else in the room wanted to be done but refused to do. He deserved, or I'm sorry, he served despite his position, despite his prestige, despite his authority. He served. This isn't even about washing feet. The call for us isn't that for the rest of our lives we just wash people's feet as much as we possibly can. That's not what he's calling us to do. It's bigger than that. This isn't just about one simple act of service. This is about a mentality. This is about a lifestyle. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. To be a Jesus follower is to serve daily. Jesus says that this is all for the purpose of setting an example, that it's all about him setting a standard for us. And then, just a couple verses down, verse 17, Jesus says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you do them. It's not enough to just know what Jesus was about. It's not enough to know what we're supposed to do. But it says that you're supposed to actually do this. Do you? Do you serve? Jesus says that you're supposed to actually follow through, that this isn't about getting something into your head. This is about actually becoming something. Are you becoming a servant? And here's what I know. Here's what I believe. And this is where I believe the rubber really hits the road for us today. Is there anything in you that wants to have a good marriage? Is there anything in you that's interested in having better relationships? Is there any part of you that wants to be honored and blessed by God? There's anything in you that says yes to those things? The answer is serve. The answer is serve. If you want to have a better marriage... Serve. If you want to have better relationships with people around you, serve. If you want to be honored and blessed by God, serve. And the best gymnasium, the best place where you can get good at serving, the best place where you can work on that character development is in a marriage. Because it's going to test it and it's going to challenge it in ways that nothing else in the world can. Marriage calls us to become servants. Of each other's welfare. Isn't that an awful statement? That should rub you the wrong way a little bit. That's not why you got married, right? In fact, I think that if we told people that that's what they were signing up for, they wouldn't get married as much. When I got married, it was because I thought she was going to bring some good stuff to my life. I got, I got married because I thought that she was going to bring value to my life, that she was going to do good things for me, and she has. But it wasn't about what I was going to bring to her. Isn't that typically how we look at this? And then what happens is married people realize how selfish the other person is, and then they quit. They didn't realize they were marrying someone so selfish because it was all about what we think we can get. That's not what service is. Marriage calls us to become servants of each other and their welfare. And service costs us something. Service should cost you something, and it should benefit someone else. Otherwise, it's not really service, is it? If it doesn't cost me something, if, it, if someone else isn't gaining something, then it's not service. It's kind of like that word sacrifice. Sacrifice isn't sacrifice until it costs something. If it hasn't cost me something, if I haven't had to pay something for it, then it really isn't sacrifice. It's the same with service. Husbands, over the last couple of weeks, have you loved your wife in a way that it cost you something? It could cost you something, you know, vocationally or financially. It could cost you something within your hobbies or your time or your comfort, you know, things like your time, your sleep, your sweat, your attention. Have you set aside something of yourself for the sake of your wife? And if the answer is no, then you haven't served. If she hasn't benefited and you haven't paid, it's not service. And again, we're not looking for a singular act of service. If you can look over the course of three weeks and say, yeah, that one time I did this, that's not what we're talking about. Does service define you? That's what Jesus was about. Why is we can ask the same thing? Over the last couple of weeks, have you loved your husband in a way that it costs you something? It can cost you vocationally or financially or your time, your sleep, your sweat, your attention. Have you set something of yourself aside for the sake of your husband? And if you're answering no, then you haven't served. If he hasn't benefited and you haven't paid, it's not service. And we're not looking for a one-time service. Is it defining you? There's a guy named Kevin Lehman who writes about marriage and relationships, all sorts of different things. He says, I'm yet to meet a man who, after a long day at work, thinks, man, what I really need right now is a long 45-minute talk with my wife. (laughs) And there's truth to that, right? Husbands, do you understand that when you sacrifice, that when you choose to serve her, when you do engage, it will cost you something? It does, doesn't it? but it doesn't mean that you lose. It's going to teach you service. It's going to teach you sacrifice. You're going to gain something spiritually, and that may not be a great motivator to you. But I promise that it will, at very least, make your marriage better. (laughs) Guaranteed. Service costs you something, and it benefits someone else. And service does make us more like Jesus, that there is a profit that we get in the context of something spiritual. And you may not be looking for it, but if you are a Jesus follower, this should be second nature to you. If you claim to know Jesus, if you claim to know Christ, then you should know service. If you want to become like Christ, it means that you need to become like a servant. If you want to follow Christ, it means that you need to follow the way of service. There's something spiritual that's going on with this. This isn't just about making relationships better. This isn't just about living better. This isn't even about getting what I want. You know, sometimes we serve thinking that somehow it will get returned back to us. It's not about those things, it's about becoming who we are called to be. My wife, Christina, quite f- faithfully serves me, even when I'm in a bad mood, even if I don't show her appreciation. And because she is a Jesus follower, she should receive, and when I don't give her affirmation, she should receive an inner affirmation, a sense of fulfillment from God because she's doing things the way that God has taught her and called her to do. She should have a joy and an inner witness telling her that her creator is pleased with her because her service isn't about her. It's it's not about what she gets. And her service really isn't even about me. It's not even about what I'm going to gain. It's about a response to what God has already done. And you don't have to be a Jesus follower for service to help your marriage. You don't have to believe in Jesus to serve. But this is actually why Christian couples have kind of this leg up on non Christian couples it's because we realize that it's not about what we get out of our marriage, but it's about what we become in our marriage that we're all being made more into this likeness of Jesus. Service gets us there. There's a verse in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament where Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a verse you're probably familiar with. We will serve the Lord. A A lot of you maybe even have this hanging on your wall in your house somewhere. We do, in our house. What would happen if we actually took that seriously? What would that look like? What would happen in your marriage? What would happen in your family? What would happen in your relationships with people outside of your home if you committed this verse to action? What if you were a family who was serious about service, each in the home, working to outserve everybody else in the home? Does that sound like a marriage you'd like to have? A family that you could dream of? I think you could say that if you aren't serving in your family, then you can't claim that you are serving the Lord anywhere else. If you refuse to serve at home, if you think you're above service at home, but you try to serve everybody else outside of your home, I think, you make, I think it makes you look two-faced. I think it makes you look false and fake. Husbands. Husbands, you're the, you're the leader, Right? You're the man, you're in charge, you're important. We think that our job is to just show up with the paycheck and bring money to the family and then, you know, the woman takes care of everything else. Husbands, get up from the table and serve your wives. Seriously. Get up from the table and serve your wives. Wives. You want to lead, right? You know what's best for you and your family. You sacrifice all the time as it is, don't you? You know that there's been some great advances for women in the last 150 years in the pursuit of equality, and rightfully so. I would argue that much of it has been God-honoring work, elevating the value of the woman. Unfortunately, Women have become too much like men in that they've become as self-serving and self-absorbed as men. Women, get up from the table and serve your husbands. Not because you're a woman, not because you're beneath him, not because that's your role, but because you are a follower of Jesus. You serve. Husbands, get up from the table and serve your wives. Wives, get up from the table and serve your husbands. It's what a Jesus follower does. Practice it in your marriage, and I guarantee you that your marriage will get better. You don't have to be a Jesus follower for this to work. You don't have to believe in Jesus for this to work. It just does. I dare you to try it. Everybody wants to be in a relationship with someone who serves them. What would happen if you started serving your spouse? Because what would, whether or not you believe in Jesus, the best marriages are when people act like Jesus. You don't have to buy into everything for this to work. Just to act like him and I promise it's gonna work. Service isn't just about becoming more like Jesus that somehow we can get into heaven as if I can pay some sort of a penance and just kind of earn my way there. This isn't about that. This is actually the best way to live. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense to us. But Jesus cracked the code for us. It's not what we expect. But he showed us that lives of service are more fulfilling. would you want to be married to someone who acts like Jesus? Wouldn't you like to be married to someone who constantly puts others first? Wouldn't that be an incredible gift for you? And wouldn't that be an incredible gift for you to give to your spouse? This whole marriage series, we've talked about love and respect, perseverance, forgiveness, service. You you know that these aren't character traits that are reserved for marriage, right? I know that some of you have had kind of a hard time with this series because it's been so much about marriage and that's not your context and you've struggled with where this applies. Like, do you understand that these are characteristics that don't exist only in marriage? That this is what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. Jesus followers love and Jesus followers respect. Jesus followers persevere. Jesus followers forgive. Jesus followers serve because those are things that he did. So we do it too. Because he is our Savior, he is also our Lord, and so we follow his lead. During this marriage series, we haven't done a whole lot by way of invitation. But I'll offer that to you this morning. I recognize that in the course of this series, maybe there's been some things that have challenged you uh, in, in a personal way, ways in which you think you could uh, or need, need some growth. I know that, that maybe this has challenged your marriages. Over the, the next few moments, we're going to go into a song here in a moment, but I want to invite you, if, if you felt like the Spirit has been leading you towards something, let's make those decisions. Let's do something with it today. If you need prayer, we've got an elder who's back in the corner of the room where I'm pointing now. There's a big sign over the door that says prayer. There's an elder in there praying for you right now who would love to pray with you if you would join him right now. Uh, Doc and I are up front in this area if you want to come up and, and have prayer for your marriages. If, your prayer, if, the, if, if the prayer needs to lead to more, maybe to conversations, let's, let's get started on those things. And maybe this has just caused you to reconsider what it is that Jesus has called you to in in your life. Maybe it's time for you to get serious about following Jesus. If that's the conversation you want to have, that's my favorite. So come up. Let's have that conversation as well. Don't let the spirit and how it's leading you drift away. I want you to stand.
5: Three more minutes, guys. We're just about done. Just a couple of things I want to call attention to. First of all, Ben wrapped up our marriage series this morning. It was a great sermon, wasn't it? Some really, really good thoughts. That was cool. But now we come into that traditional time of the year when there's this kind of a tug-of-war. I mean, all around us, lights, trees, gifts, Christmas specials, all that kind of stuff. For some of you guys, that's really exciting. For some of us, oh, well, right. Yeah, I see it. Um, and then we kind of push back. Traditionally, we push back. Remember, it's not about the, the, the lights and the trees and the gifts. He's the reason for the season, right? We keep pushing back that direction, and and somehow we show that by just putting up trees and lights and giving gifts and going to church a little bit. We're going to kind of flip it on its ear a little bit this year, you know, we're going to press on this theme not he's the reason for the season but guys you are you're the reason for the season if it weren't for the fact that you're such a mess and if it weren't for the season that God loves you so much anyway there would have been no Christmas you buy that he came to change everything how are we going to show people who need that so desperately that that's the real reason for Christmas right one more thing Ben's got it
4: uh, I'm gonna invite uh, Derek Rowley up here. This young man uh, has come to us from Kansas by way of Lexington, and uh, this guy is uh, gonna be our new student minister. So, <laughs> he is—he is very sharp. Uh, he uh, has a few issues that will work out. It's the Kansas upbringing. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll get him there. Uh, but he's been great, solid guy. We're looking forward uh, to, to letting him do ministry here and working with him in that capacity. We have great faith in him. Uh, we want to encourage you. This is a great time for you to get your kids plugged in, a chance to meet him and, and see what's going on. And uh, we've, we've got some big dreams. He's got some big dreams about what we think can happen here. And so uh, so as parents, you have a role to play in that as well. So let's get your kids here. Let's, let's make sure that we're leading them to Jesus. That's everything. You guys need to leave. See ya. <laughs>